0: Hey guys, you're listening to Metal Matters, a weekly gimme radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill. If you like metal, punk, hardcore, or anything extreme, you've come to the right place. So subscribe and never miss out. Let's welcome back Ralph Schmidt of Ulfa, good friend of mine. He's been on the show a couple times already, and um, yeah, he's uh, stepping up to become a co-host on this thing, and um, it's been a lot of fun talking to him, and I always look forward to having these conversations. So this week we're going to be talking about integrity and how important that band is to metal, hardcore, and both of us as uh, creative people. If you want to uh, follow me on social media, you can be up at Michael. Hill on Facebook, Michael underscore DC underscore Hill on Instagram. And um I'm on Twitter, but I don't really use Twitter that much. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review. It helps out quite a bit. Welcome Ralph back to the podcast. And like everyone else on the globe, you're currently experiencing the uh throes of this global pandemic. So how how have you been dealing with all this stuff? Um, first of all, thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure.
1: Um, and yeah, well, I mean, uh, Europe uh, has been in the stranglehold for of that virus for a while now. I mean, all my friends in Italy are pretty much fucked. They were like the the forerunners for everything, where they had the big shutdowns and everything. And the world around us just wouldn't listen or wouldn't see and now we all have to face the consequences so for me it was that um it's three weeks ago now three weeks ago the government decided to shut down the schools and uh so i didn't have to go to school anymore but um i have to go every other day just for a few hours because these There are a lot of parents working in like uh, the system relevant jobs, they call it. So, like doctors and pharmacists and, and, and people like this. And if they have kids and they can't find someone to look after them, they can send them to school and they will be like, there will be someone watching them. And that's what I do right now. So, I have a lot of time off sitting at home and, uh, Doing tasks for the kids, which I send out via email and I have phone calls with them to see if they understand what I want them to learn. <clears throat> so that's my, my thing as a teacher. Um, two weeks ago, they decided that you can't be outside with more, than three, with more than two people. And if you're like doing something together, it should be someone that lives in the same flat as you or in the same house. So they have restrictions now and if you get busted outside with like more than two people it costs uh, 200 euros a person There's no entertainment industry anymore besides TV and um, Yeah, that's like you can the shopping malls are they all have like lines on the floor now that they made out of duct tape so you have to keep your distance it's, it's crazy, but I think in comparison to a lot of people right now, I'm actually coping with it pretty well, because social distancing is something I was practicing for a long time. And uh, I live in a bit more rural part of Cologne, so I live next to a little forest part, and uh, I go jogging every day. I go um, ride my bike, I write music at home, I read... And I try to stay sane. And so far, I've been dealing with it pretty well.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. And, and the reports that I've seen is that Germany is, is uh, they're doing a little bit better than, than other countries. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, the, like the rules that you um, outlined and how people generally seem to be complying with those rules. Yeah. And And that on the reverse side. You know I'm living in Brooklyn right now, and I'm in the epicenter of the you know ground zero here in the u s. and I think that uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that people don't really follow rules here. and uh, these are the consequences to that. And you know, I'm not saying that do what you're told or whatever, but in the face of um the logical thing here is to comply with some of these guidelines that the medical industry has put forth you know like people who know what the hell they're talking about like doctors scientists are saying to maintain uh you know a certain distance between people and literally up till a couple of days ago i saw kids playing basketball together like out in this park and i'm just like you know then of course there's the famous videos of kids down in um in florida partying together and on you know playing volleyball on the beach and doing jello shots and all this other stuff and uh I think that's why, um, it's out of hand over here and, um, you know, it's, but in New York, it's deadly serious. I mean, um, you know, the, by all the scientists are predicting that in two weeks, we're going to hit the peak here of infection. And, uh, so God, I, I'm saying that I have at least another two months of working at home, social distancing, uh, and everything being closed. So yeah. You know it, it is it is what it is and it's a uh, mental game more than anything um you know i'm concerned about my parent my parents but they live the county they live in has only had about 35 cases and no deaths so yeah you know, that's good yeah i feel relieved but still very uh, cautious about what their experiences are so yeah. It's
1: it's, it has taken the people a while here to actually agree to that. So we had these people that also did the parties, but that died down really fast when um, the the Robert Koch Institute, not Robert Koch Institute, which is like the the medical facility that does like the most science uh, research about this virus, and they give like a press conference every second day. Right And and they're like, people start listening to them. So just, just yesterday I was riding my bike and there's like a big park area here close to where I live with a lake. And people hang out there all the time in groups and there was no one. There was just like two or three people sitting in the sun because the weather is fucking nice. Right, right. And uh, so people started like to see like it's maybe better to stay inside and not like go out and party right now.
0: Yeah, I I go out for walks. Um, I have to get exercise. I got to move my body around. And yeah, me too. You know, and and that's uh, you know, th- there's not that many people on the street, which is like very eerie. And um, yep. I haven't been into Manhattan in two weeks, at least two weeks. No. But I've I've seen video and I've seen uh, you know, photographs of what you know downtown Manhattan looks like right now, and it's like uh, you know, I am Legend or something. It's just
1: <laughs> you know,
0: and it, that's even weirder because. I don't think it's never not busy there. It's always busy. Always. Yeah. You know, where where my office is is uh right by Penn Station and that's like the epicenter one of the epicenters of uh travel in New York wow. City and there's there's no one on the streets. You know, it's crazy. No. And it's uh it's a good time to actually go back to
1: all these movies like Outbreak or 28 Days Later and the stand I am legend yeah. It's really enjoyable right now because it's it's kind of like look what we've got ourselves into.
0: Kind of, yeah, I, I could see yeah. that. You know, now this this topic that we're talking about kind of fits into the subject of this week's show, which is our mutual admiration for the band Integrity, which has always had a very apocalyptic vision for humanity and. Um, yeah. So I mean that's that's a band that over the years, I mean you and I have known each other for we're on our second decade, and yes. um and a lot we love a lot of the same bands we have a lot of the same ideas about music and just you know creativity in general and um for both of us, integrity has been a band that um uh, has helped mold what we do as well as giving us uh, uh tons of inspiration so yeah. Yeah, so I just figured we'd talk about our experiences with the band, some of our favorite records, some of our favorite songs, and, uh, you know, things like that, and just kind of appreciate all the work that Dwight has done along with the various members of the band. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been 25 years now that I'm into that band.
1: And it's like, it's one of the bands that I liked the longest, and they never disappointed me. Seen them a gazillion times, played with them. Uh, I even played on stage with Dwight and so yeah it's crazy i love that band so much and i think the song dawn of a new apocalypse is pretty much the perfect <laughs> title and soundtrack for, for what we're experiencing right now
0: yeah definitely and uh you know he's been a guest on this show twice actually and uh yeah. you know it it's um it's always good having him on he likes to talk about stuff which i think is is very important if you're going to be a guest on a podcast so uh, so he's a good guest to have
1: yeah, and he's also someone you could actually pleasantly listen to because what he says is genuinely interesting and well, uh, well funded. Like, there's not, not a lot of like, hot air. And that's what I always enjoyed about him, about his work. And when you talk to him, he's such a nice guy, despite his reputation sometimes. And it's just like awesome. Yeah, I, I really love that guy
0: little uh precursor to something that's going to be coming out this fall is uh he's doing he has done guest vocals on uh, a tombs uh track for our forthcoming lp wow um, no shit. i'll send you that i have a demo i can send you and um yeah it's it's really cool man i i was uh yeah i, I pretty much when i listen back to it still to this day i'm like man that's that's like fucking, you know cool man the way doing guest vocals singing words that i wrote it's like pretty fucking cool, you know. Wow, awesome. Yeah. Um so for me, I can't quite pinpoint when I um first discovered the band. I know that it was at some point in the mid 90s and um and during that period of time, it's like I I've never been a very big fan of of hardcore music the way that some people are. Like for example, I missed out on the whole, uh, youth crew, uh, vibe. Um, the both, both waves of youth crew bands, (laughs) like, you know, even in, even in the eighties, like bold youth of today, like that kind of stuff never really, uh, resonated with me. Uh, and even the second wave of like, uh, you know, in my eyes, 10 yard fight, that kind of thing. Strife, none of those bands really, um, I mean, strife's not really a youth crew band, but I always lumped them in with those bands. And, uh, I just never really was into that that kind of thing. And in the early '90s to mid '90s, I was um, just I had just discovered black metal, and I was listening to bands like I Hate God, Buzz Oven, uh, you know, more dark kind yeah. of uh, negative style shit like that. And I was starting to get into reading a lot of the books that Feral House released. Mm-hmm. So you know, I was into like serial killers. The occult you know satanism charles manson and uh the whole narrative that surrounded the charles manson sort of tate la bianca murders were like a fascination that i had back then so when i stumbled across uh humanity is the devil uh by uh you know integrity i saw all the process church of final judgment four pie imagery and without even hearing the band I knew that uh that it was something that i should at least check out and uh, i saw that it was on victory which initially wasn't something that drew me in because i associated victory records with music i didn't like and mm-hmm. you know with the exception of bloodlet and dead guy yeah. uh integrity was really the only band on that label that that i cared about and when i started listening to the music it all all those pieces kind of came together it was like a a right place at the right time kind of situation for me.
1: Yeah, totally. I agree. Same, same here. Um, I mean, we talked about it in the uh, in my uh, pod, the other podcast I did about my like bringing up with music. Um and uh, I was into horror movies starting when I was twelve, and I was listening to Black Metal ever since I was thirteen. So I found my way into hardcore and punk later through Headbangers Ball, where I saw. Like some hardcore bands and then i did my research like i always did we had like catalogs of like in fanzines they were like these you can order here order this order that reviews and i just like i had access to money because my father always like said "Uh, you want to learn english you learn english best by listening to music and translating lyrics so he paid music and i had to translate lyrics and um so i just ordered an order, and and some order i remember it was like from a small i don't even know like i think it was lost and found this 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 like catalog which is all was also a label that fucked over a lot of bands it's like pretty infamous here in germany but they had like i i think i ordered neglect ended and uh, Earth Crisis firestorm, the seven inch, and systems overload by integrity in one order. And that pretty much like shifted all my focus on this kind of music because it was heavy, but it was a bit smarter. like the people were, I don't know, like not, not as corny as a lot of the black metal people. And, uh, yeah, so like, ended had like the, the depression that I was into. I don't know like why this clicked because back then I wasn't depressed or nothing, but systems overload ever since I put that on the first time, it just blew me away. And then shortly after humanities, the devil came out and then I was hooked.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, like for me, uh, oh yeah. Earth crisis is definitely another band. I like that was on victory. I don't know how I left them off, but being vegan and all that sort of stuff. I mean, they, they also had this like apocalyptic, like violent sort of vibe about them. Yeah. And, and um, I thought we thought they were a great live too back then. So yeah. for me, uh, I remember I was working at the Newberry comics warehouse and uh, I, I think that that, that was kind of this epicenter for, for dudes and bands at that time in the nineties. Like there was like, some of the guys from Isis worked there uh you know uh cast iron hike, blood for blood <laughs> um a dude from Sam black church you know everyone oh, wow. everyone that worked at the Newberry comics warehouse worked there because they were in a band because you could go on tour for like five weeks and come back and still have a job and I think that uh that was like what what turned it into this kind of like music appreciation like day, like when you went to work, you know, you found out about tons of different music and, um, and also Newberry comics for anyone who's obviously, if you don't live in New England, you don't know who the hell this is. They're, they're like a, um, for lack of a better term, a hot topic before hot topic existed. I mean, you could go to one of the locations in New England and get like hair dye, uh, you know, at the, in the nineties, like X files, mugs, calendars, uh, and an incredible, a selection of records they always had great record music buyers you know you can buy you know joy division records hardcore records you know they stocked even you know stuff like death in june you can buy there you can buy you know you know metallica everything you know slayer black metal records and it, it was pretty crazy so when when on tuesday when the new records were going out um i remember seeing all this stuff and you know back then i was like okay you know, there's like hardcore music. The lyrics are about, you know, being vegan, uh, being a uh, straight edge person, uh, the scene, uh, violence on the streets, you know, light, life in the Lower East Side, um, the system, you know, stuff like that. And I, I couldn't really relate to a lot of that stuff because I just was, that wasn't the mindset that I had at the time. And when I bought uh, Humanity is the Devil, I realized the lyrics were not about any of that stuff. And no. And not only was it not about any of the things that I was bored with, it was about just like darkness and horror movies and ideas of uh, you know, philosophies and anti Christianity and stuff like that. It was basically um the subject matter of kind of like the more extreme metal music that I was into. You know and yeah. and the playing and the song structures all that sort of stuff was more in line with the kind of things that i liked you know and there's like guitar solos and thrash riffs and things like that double bass that kind of thing and that was yeah. like, just opened me up to that whole st- whole style yeah, and then it's they 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 ever since they start. I mean, they started
1: out being a straight edge band, like with Die Hard and all this shit. And, like right. when the harder they Fall uh, demo, and you had like almost straight edge lyrics back then. And but also like on the first record, those who uh, those who fear tomorrow, like you started and you have like all these incredible song titles. The lyrics are just insanely well done, and they're like that's what got me h- hooked on them. It's, Ever since I'm an I became an integrity fan. I started looking at lyrics a lot and Not in the way like you can you can do like Sad lyrics in a smart way when they're easy like for example Mike McTernan and damnation ad I love that band and it's pretty straightforward. It's like I feel like shit That's why I feel like shit but like all these lyrics in these posy core bands also that never clicked with me and then you have like this metaphoric super dark imagery and as you said like satanism and these these uh, weird ass religious maniacs and everything that Dwight like brought into these lyrics but in a smart way and that was so interesting and yeah it is it's the subtext to all he did
0: in the visual art in the
1: music and and he's been doing it forever and he's been on top of the game ever since
0: Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And and the fact that he had it has a background in art and design too, uh, made the Integrity Records look different. And the imagery of the band, the logo, and that skull, you know, it's yeah. it's very uh, unique and identifiable. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the first things that got me hooked. Because before I became
1: an Integrity fan, I was already a Misfits and Sam Hain and Dänzig fan. And then I ordered uh, the Sims Systems Overload CD, and it had like in the cover art, it had the small the skull in the in the top right corner, I think. And I was like, "Holy shit, that skull is cool." And then it's like I got the Humanity's Devil CD, and it had the skull more prominently, and I'm like, "Holy shit, this is amazing." And it's like these small traits everything's executed so well, and this skull is just as iconic as well, well, as the Danzig skull to me.
0: Yeah, that skull actually—it's uh, when Dwid was on the show, we we discussed where that came from, and it, came, it was once again the same way the Danzig Samhain skull came or um, came from a comic book. Yeah, right. That came from uh, Blood a Tale, um, a graphic novel that came out like I don't know the late '80s or something like that. It was uh, oh. pretty cool. Yeah. Do you have any uh, favorite works by the band? I mean, there's such a—I mean, the band started in 1988 and that's you know that's that's like over 30 years ago at this point and i don't know they got like over 50 releases you know not no obviously not all lps but they have a lot of material out there's been enough members in the band to make like five bands uh which is common with a lot of other bands out there and uh they run on every label you can imagine you know victory relapse uh Death Wish, eight three eighty Um, yeah. Magic Bullet, you know, relapse. Yeah, it's real, along with ringworm uh, on relapse. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, well, for me,
1: I, I think I'm I'm kind of like the the old school integrity fan. I think that the answer that most people would give is like I'm like for me, the unfuck withable stuff is the the Melnick phase. So with a double like on guitars which would be those of you tomorrow, Humanities, the Devil, Systems, Season in the Size of Days. These records are, well, the best. Then then there was the phase with Intec 2000 and Project Regenesis, which I still like, but it was weird. But that was the first time we played with them, with my old band. Um, and then after Closure, which was more like a Sam Samhain band, with to die for he got back into I think he moved to Belgium then and hung out with all these guys from Liar and and Congress and all these Belgian hey thousand bands and he started like he got back on track and all the records after that like blackest curse suicide black snake and all the records they were more in the vein of the old integrity and I love them a lot but for me it's like these first records they're like the thing and to for me the my favorite release still is the split 7-inch with Mayday um because it has Kingdom of Heaven Rebirth and Kingdom of Heaven and they are my
0: absolute favorite songs they ever did yeah you know, it i i always tend towards the earlier material as well um you know maybe because it was the first record i heard by them humanity is probably my uh you know, my favorite uh integrity record, just I think the production on it's awesome. I mean, it has uh the song Hollow, which I'm a that song grabs you, and yeah, and then the, the Humanity is the Devil track, uh, which kind of this touched on another thing I appreciate about the band and, and specifically about Dwight is is uh people weren't at that point, bands weren't in hardcore at least, weren't really incorporating like industrial or you know soundscapes or any of that kind of stuff into their work and um at least to my knowledge and that because concurrent to me being in the hardcore metal I also was uh starting to discover bands like Throbbing Gristle and White House and um you know that sort of noise industrial world that uh you know that was Forming a lot of the ideas I think that Dwid was was uh, was into as well and You know that kind of tied it together for me and I you know that record in particular stands out and um, you know
1: Yeah, that's uh, they uh, on that on that record I mean the the intro vocal test is still one of the best intros that ever occurred It's just such a good idea and uh, I mean it has the song psychological warfare which was the song that my old band Repugnant played on stage with, with singing when we uh, hung out with them on the closure tour. And um, that song is like in the short form is Psy Warfare, which became his industrial noise act, which he did together with his ex-wife, Lisa. And uh, that was also my first encounter with, noise harsh noise and all this stuff because before that i've never heard that i mean it was 16 17 by that time and through that i also got into all these noise bands like Throbbing gristle and all these industrial stuff and yeah i mean i i remember when we we played like reputnant played with integrity 2000 i think it was 99 and um <clears throat> i i talked to Dwight there and i'm like dude why are there no lyrics in the season in the size of Dave's record? And he's like, oh, yeah, didn't want to print them. But I have a Psy Warfare 7-inch here, which is called the Candyman EP. And it has a copy of all the seasons in the size of Dave's lyrics
0: in it. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm
1: really wise. Like, I don't know. I just thought it was funny. So, like, I got that 7-inch from him and he gave it to me as a gift And I remember when we drove home, like with my band back then, I I think I wasn't, well, it was 99, then I was allowed to drive a car. But like, I I was in the car with the other guys, and it's like, yo, so guess what I have? I have the lyrics to season in the size of days, and like, literally like Andy, the singer, he'd like break the car, It's like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? So we like parked on the side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> played, played that record and read the lyrics to it. That's my like how obsessed we were with that band.
0: Yeah, he's a great writer, man. And and that psy warfare stuff. I mean, that's cool that that's still active too. I mean, there's a new yes. relapse is putting out a psy War, warfare record. Um, yes, unless it's uh, out already by the time this hits the streets, this episode. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, at the time though that was rare. I mean, you know, in real time when in the 90s. You know there really wasn't a lot of that going on in in hardcore music and uh and i think that like i said earlier the fact that this guy was like into this stuff it it mirrored a lot of the same interests that i had and um because yeah. the kids that i knew at that at that time that were into hardcore music they didn't want to hear about mers or you know earlier stuff like throbbing gristle or boyd rice and non and and all that stuff and um yeah. And and the fact that a, a you know an influential band like Integrity w- was was exploring those avenues was was fucking cool. I
1: thought you know, but back also back in that time, I remember that like my bands, like these these guys, I met them in in school because I was the younger kid. I I changed schools when I was uh, like getting to the eleventh grade, and I was like the fed. The chubby loner kid with the hardcore t shirts, and they were like two grades above me. And they were like, Do you listen to these kind of bands? You want to play in a band? And I'm like, oh, Okay. So by that time, I was just playing bass, and they asked me if I want to play guitar. So I borrowed a guitar from my neighbor and taught myself to play a power chord. So I joined that band, and at first it was called Absent X, Absent X, like a classic straight edge band. Yeah. But these guys they were like they introduced me to all that shit and like Andy and Ingo these two guys I owe them so much because they were like my what my look up like I looked up to them so much and They they gave me all that kind of music and they were so obsessed with all the holy terror stuff so it started out like also with Confront and then One Life Crew and Ringworm And they had all these old seven inches and they made me mix tapes and it was so incredible. And they loved integrity. And through them, my love for them got pushed even further and then we changed names to Repugnant before the death metal band happened. And um, we changed our style and we started playing more like this Holy Terror kind of hardcore. But we were just shitty musicians back then, which is a shame because it could have been a real good band.
0: Yeah, let's, let's also address the fact that uh integrity was one of the bands that kind of architected the quote-unquote metalcore sound really uh you yeah know, i mean there was maybe a short list of bands that i would put on that obviously uh stark weather you know integrity um you know ringworm uh in cold blood a lot of you know like the holy terror type yeah. bands and uh You know, obviously earlier in the 80s, there was metal hardcore crossover, you know, but uh, that was different. You know, there's chrome mags you know, Carnivore, like that kind of thing. But the quote unquote metalcore sound, I think, really started what was something that started with bands like Integrity. And I, I kind of give them credit for that. Yeah, but it but I think it's like what,
1: what you and I like see in that kind of as, as a metal core thing that like they They just sounded way heavier and were down tuned. And like I can see this, but like what became metalcore eventually. Oh well I think yeah. started that that started through all the vegan jihad straight edge mosh bands that were obsessed with like the raining blood mosh part. And then they all of a sudden found Slaughter of the Soul by At The Gates, and then you had all these bands, and that was metalcore. And I really hate that. Like, that was absolutely not my thing. But it was incredibly popular here. But the thing is that all these bands that you just mentioned, they were the bands, I mean, especially Starkweather is also a band I love, and they were not popular. You had the old school kids that were into <clears throat> like Youth of Today, Gorilla Biscuits and all the newer bands in that vein. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, then you had the Mosh kids that were into, I don't know, Earth Crisis, Disembodied and all the shit. My my best friend Danny is just exploring because she just found the phase where he started like listening to Chokehold and all these bands. And I'm like, wow, you're 40 now and you find out about you now. <laughs> But that's cool. Like it's it's a lot of memories. Like she plays a lot of the stuff. And I'm like, oh, I remember that. It was kind of cool. But a lot of that, a lot of that shit doesn't hold up. But I, like, I think no,
0: disembodied kind of holds up though. Honestly. Yeah, it's, they're pretty sick though. You know.
1: Yeah, they're like. I mean, some of the bands are, but like most of the shit, I'm like, oh wow.
0: Like, but
1: no one was into like. I mean, New York hardcore was also big. Like Madball, Sick of It All, Agnostic Front. But this this kind of like this bubble of ringworm integrity and all these bands they weren't popular by that time. And when we tried to play shows with our sound, we didn't find anyone that wanted to have us on their shows because we were not like the vegan straight edge kids and we were not the old school kids. And that's the thing. It was also again fitting perfectly to that being like an outsider kid. Uh, this kind of music was outsider music within this hardcore scene
0: yeah that's that's the the vibe i picked up too um you know from from integrity and uh because as you know that's hardcore music uh is generally geared for better or for worse towards uh younger people you know what i mean yeah. and uh yeah. you know that's not to say that they're you know bands like sick of it all are out there playing and doing their thing that's that's great but it's a uh, geared towards younger people who are trying to figure out where they fit in their hierarchy or in their society and uh, as a result of that even though there's this concept that there's no rules and freedom and all this other stuff there are tons of rules within hardcore about what you can sing about um, what your lyrics are about whether or not you're, you're you eat meat you know uh, whether you drink or you don't drink or you know if you're from the streets or if you're in a crew or whatever you know what i mean and yeah. i felt like you know integrity and a lot of the holy terror bands you know ringworm comes to mind uh, did not adhere to any of those uh rules and became popular eventually but were never really embraced the same way you know mad ball agnostic front that kind of stuff was embraced in a in a wider sense Yeah. And, and, and also it's incredible when you look
1: at all the splits that Integrity did and you had like all, like people say they were the founding fathers for Metalcore and they influenced bands like Terror and and Hatebreed. And I can see that. But they even did a split with Hatebreed, which features one of the best songs that Integrity ever did. But um it's it's weird that like I I I don't see a lot of hatebreed fans putting on integrity records and saying, "Oh yeah, I I can that's that's my wife." They want to have more like throwdown and all these kind of bands.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's funny you mentioned Integ- uh, integrity and hatebreed back in my I don't know, man, like this this must must have been 96 mm-hmm. or so. Uh this guy his name is Ian McFarlane, who ended up becoming um you know a uh documentary film producer. He was in a band called Polyglot from uh Portland Maine area like way up uh-huh. some, m- maybe not even Portland like some town in Maine. And um he was friends with uh Aaron Harris who later you know went on to become uh the drummer in Isis and uh now is a film score composer. Yeah. Um and I remember he he was like very uh into networking and you know putting his band out there and which is great you know I mean that's that's awesome you people should do that with their music but I remember he was telling me that he was going to uh fill in with Hatebreed on okay. the tour that they did opening for Integrity <laughs> which oh, is Wow like, it's insane and I I hope I ha- I hope I got that right I hope this isn't some like onset you know Alzheimer's for me but <laughs> I believe that actually happened, man. I, I'm, when we were preparing for this, I remember going through some of my journals and I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is what happened, you know? So that goes to show you that like, you know, hate breed in a lot of ways were disciples of integrity as well as in my opinion, you know, it bands like entombed and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's just, and then they became this like larger than life uh, band, really. I mean, they, they rose above being a hardcore band. You know, I, I remember when Hatebreed first played in Boston. It was um, when I lived in Boston. There was this uh, small, very, very—I mean, this place held maybe, maybe eighty people, and it was uh, this place it was called the Penalty Box, I think. And uh, it was like some tough guy, like hardcore thing, and they were the first band that went on. It was hate, Hatebreed, and that was might have been their very first show in Boston, and then they just became this huge. I mean, you know, Hapri's hey like slayer really. I mean, they're they're that sort of that level of of yeah. like, they have their own style fans. It's not really hardcore kids, it's not really metal kids these days. It's like a whole different thing, you know. It's all all the people that are registered in gyms. They're all <laughs> they all have memberships at gyms, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's yeah, and they, they were never like my kind of band. Also, Terror was never my kind of band, but I can see like why they state that Integrity was an influence to them. And what I would like to ask you because I was just like I was like on like we were going out wandering last week, Danny and I, and I played her Systems Overload because I was like, okay, so you're working through all this hardcore stuff now. Let's let's go to the like the essentials and I played her that record and she's like, oh, yeah, I like that It's like so I told her because she was always going to roadburn a lot And she's like I, I remember that integrity got booked to play roadburn and that like some people were like Why is this hardcore band playing roadburn? I'm like, why, why is that a problem? Like they fit there better than like a lot of other bands <clears throat> and then I was like, okay, so what kind of influences do you hear in them? And that's what I wanted to ask you. If you think of integrity, they didn't listen to a lot of other hardcore bands, but like, what kind of bands do you think has like molded their sound? Because I think you can clearly hear it. What kind of bands they were into?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, the first thing that came, the, from day one. <laughs> I first put on Humanity Is a Devil. I was like Slayer. This is like yeah. thrash um, metal hard rock music you know because the guitar solos there's like slayer riffs played with like a um like a very punk vibe which and, and that's kind of what i mean for my trajectory through music i was always i was into heavy metal and hard rock very first that's the first you know music i got into besides from like the stuff my parents listened to like 50s like girls group stuff and um then i discovered punk and then I discovered thrash and the reason why I like thrash is because there is this like punk aesthetic to it, you know, like Yes. Yeah. And kind of like integrity brought it in a way like full circle because they were like inspired I mean because those guys are we're all, I'm in the same age, you know, uh DeWitt and I are about the same age, so it's like we kind of I imagine his trajectory through music being similar, you know, like okay, yeah. cool, we like Black Flag and the Cramps, things like that. But we also like UFO and the Scorpions and shit, you know what I mean? And um, the, other, the Melnick brothers, probably the same. And and some of the other members of the band, like Chris Smith, who was in Keel Hall, he and I yeah. are like, you know, I mean, he's a good friend of mine, and I know for a fact that he's heavily influenced by, um, you know, like, like classic rock and like, you know, UFO and, you know, the dudes in Ringworm are the same way. They're into like uh Kiss and you know, as well as the yeah. like Chrome mags and Agnostic Front. And that's kind of like that that integrity being the first Clevo band that I got into, you know, Holy Terror band, that's what I heard. I heard guys who were into like Slayer playing punk music, punk influenced hardcore or whatever, with and then the other layer of the philosophy on top of it, which is at that point. I was only literally only listening to shit that had like, like intense darkness associated with the lyrics. Like in the nineties, I was like only into like, you know, bands like I hate God and buzz oven and, you know, neurosis, um, you know, the AMREP, some of the darker, more aggressive AMREP bands like industrial music, uh, and the lyrical content is what brought that to the table along with like the thrashy metallic riffs. And then, you know, there is, there is like some definite old school hardcore elements in there, but it's played in a way that is more reminiscent of like metal than hardcore. So that, that's my analysis of like what it sounds like. You want to hear mine?
1: Yeah, go ahead, man. Because I think it pretty much like, if, if you hear like what I thought, because it was especially with the systems overload thing, you will totally see that why why you and I both love this band so much because it's just fitting. So of course Slayer, the Melnick Aaron's guitar style, like the riffs, these insane solos and parts of songs where you don't think that needs a solo, and he still does like a double solo on top of it. Yeah, <laughs> so Slayer. I think if you listen to Systems and uh, to Humanity's the Devil, Black Sabbath oh, from yeah. the guitar guitar tone and um uh, like what's like also celtic frost Mm -hmm. the 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 typical guitar stuff um the punk drive of discharge and a lot of Motorhead, uh, who also like did, did you know that lemmy spoke an introduction to an integrity song
0: yeah that's on. isn't that on uh the den of iniquity collection
1: yeah, it's 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 actually the song from the split with hate breed, yeah. which I I found in another uh, compilation. It's it's there's so many compilations. But yeah, like that's that. So Motorhead. <clears throat> and I think also because we all know that Dwid is also, especially if you listen to the closure record, which is pretty much a a misfit Sam Hain record. So there's the Danzig influence and also Bauhaus and of course Mighty Spinker, which uh-huh. was yeah, which was uh, a band that I also found out about because of Dwight.
0: That's interesting you brought up Mighty Sphincter, which we'll have to address uh, shortly <laughs> because yeah. we just recently lost uh, the the guitar player from the band. And um, yeah. I know that you and I have a, you know, Doug Clark, uh, the guitarist, yeah. you and I have a, a connection over that band as well. So yeah, right, we got to talk about that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I it, we talk a lot a lot about the early material, but I also like the 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 new the new records too. I think Howling for the Nightmare shall Consume. Yes. That's fucking awesome, man. It and is. that's uh you know, we got Dominic Romeo in the band and you know the A389 guy uh I think that um and also he's he was in Pulling Teeth too. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, he was he was a big fan
1: of integrity for ages. And I think I read an interview with Dominic where he just said, like, it's like a dream come true. Like I, I've been a fan of that band. I've been friends with Dwid. And now I can actually play in that band. And he can pull off all the stuff that A Double did. So yeah. like this this record and the split with Krieg is definitely like the most integrity they've sounded ever since season in the size of days.
0: True. Agreed. One hundred percent. And and also pulling teeth. Uh, I remember um, they had a record that my good friend Will Tarrant uh, released on Chainsaw Safety Records, and he gave me their that record, and I was like, oh wow, these guys must really like integrity as well. So uh, pulling teeth yep. is definitely another band that's a disciple of integrity, and I think it's awesome that that he's playing in the band. You know. Yes. And um, but yeah, howling there's the song I am the spell which is, i guess is kind of like a a single off of that record cuz you know they have a video and all that kind of stuff and uh oh. that's a great song and also there's um the band definitely captures the old school sound but also that's one of their more um yeah there's almost like this black metal influence on it too like with blast beats and things like that yes. and and i you know i i love that so that's immediately something on that i gravitate towards for the newer material yeah
1: that's a, that's the thing i always thought like i'm 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 curious how long it will take until dwid incorporates blast beads and in integrity and i think they started out on the blackest curse i think that was the first time they actually did that but like on on uh, howling it's it's made in the perfect way it's just also the split with Krieg just makes so much sense and uh, yeah, it's it's a killer record. When that came out, I, I had it on heavy rotation for weeks, and it was the I haven't done that in a while with New Integrity stuff. Like I always listen to it, I always enjoy it, but that was really like had to have it on vinyl, had to play it like for weeks straight, and I'm like, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a great album, and uh, you know, I'm looking looking forward to having more material. They they played yeah. last year in Boston with All Out War and uh, i wanted to go up there because you know i got you know some of my best friends live in that town i always like to go up there and incorporate that into a visit to see them
1: but uh
0: schedule wise i I just couldn't swing it but uh, i haven't seen integrity play in a long time so i need to go check them out soon i think i saw them last two years ago something it's it's
1: it's been a while actually but there were times where I saw them like on every tour they did. And I remember like one tour they did was with Converge and Coliseum. That was, that was awesome. But I mean, yeah, I've seen them. <clears throat> I've seen them the first time, I think the season and the size of days tour. And uh, that was, I don't know, 96, 97, maybe still with the Malik brothers. And that was, yeah, that was also like something that molded my whole view on how to play this music live.
0: Yeah, definitely. <coughs> uh, one one of the things uh, I just wanted to mention too is uh, I, most people out there are, well, I'm not going to say most people, some of you out there are probably familiar with the Holy Mountain printing, which, uh, Primarily is a merchandise company, web store for bands. You know, they do merch for Integrity. They do merch for uh, Leviathan. Uh, you know, they do merch for Tombs for the band I play in. And uh, Danny, the guy, Danny Trudell, the guy who runs that and owns and operates Holy Mountain, yeah. is a curator of all things, you know, art-related, music-related, You know, he's a big fan of like Japanese like monster movies. Uh, He's released records, things like that. So he's going to start producing a magazine. Wow. And um, I actually uh, am going to, I provided, I'm providing two pieces for that. One of them is an interview I did with Joe Bigos and Josh Ethier, these two filmmakers. Uh, They recently did the movie VFW and last year they did uh, the horror film Bliss. Uh But related to what we're, th- we're talking about i'm writing a career retrospective for integrity and uh, wow i mean that could be an i could be a book you know what i mean that could be like yeah a, yeah but it's going to show up in this magazine at some point this year as uh a, i'm assuming a serialized uh piece you know i'm assuming it's going to be released over a couple of issues and uh am so kind of you know this this whole slowdown with everything else in my life has given me time to work on that. So, uh, yeah. just it's kind of cool that we're talking about this because it kind of coincides with with my uh, you know execution of this piece.
1: Yeah, I mean it would be would be great if someone at some point would write something like an like a biography about doing this band. But I don't know if there are bands that would ever have a book label to release it. I mean, there are so many books about so many random bands. So someone could do it, but it would be really great. Because I think there are like a lot of stories that you could tell. <clears throat> and uh, it's just, yeah, it really the name Integrity and the the way that Dwight has done this band. is like there's no much more fitting name
0: for a band and the reputation this guy has. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of rock and roll, like heavy metal books, punk books. And um, yeah, I'm surprised that nothing has come out really in the written word about the band as like a, uh, you know, uh, document about what the band's all about. Because they have such a, you know, 30 plus year history, you know? Yeah. And also all the thing that goes along, all the side
1: projects, all... Like the art that Duit uh, that creates and all the... He creates a whole world. Like the whole thing about the band is not just the music. It's this whole universe he creates. And it's a, that's a thing that I always treasure. I treasure that with H.P. Lovecraft or with Stephen King. If people create a narrative like their own universe in which all their art takes place. And I think Integrity has done that over all these years
0: yeah definitely well what i think would be cool is like uh, did you ever read that uh swan's oral history uh um, i did yeah i think that might be the it's uh it's sacrifice and transcendence that's what it's called yeah i just um, yeah yeah i finished that a few weeks ago um that might be the perfect format for it would an, an integrity thing because you know there's so many different people involved there's so many band members record <laughs> labels uh you know, people that have been influenced by the band, like things like that, that I think uh, you could easily, not easily, but you could put something together very similar to that that would tell the whole story. Yeah, that would be amazing because, yeah,
1: like all these lineup changes, all these shifts, especially in in the phase after seasons when he broke up with Lisa and like the whole Integrity 2000 thing happened, and with all the different members exchanging the whole band, then doing closure and then getting back to the hardcore roots. That would be really interesting because it's kind of the way that Swans operated from being super stubborn and then getting in the 80s, getting kind of soft in a way, and then breaking up, doing something different, getting back together and like citing their old stuff as an influence, but doing something completely different. Yeah, it would be actually it would be the perfect format to do it like that.
0: Yeah, I, I remember reading that book and thinking the same thing about how, you know, it'd be kind of cool to get everyone's take. Because I know there's a lot of, probably a lot of different, you know, polarizing opinions too, you know. So yeah. it'd be cool to get that all together at some point. Yeah. But we mentioned uh Mighty Sphincter, which yeah. is sadly a band that so few people seem to know about. And, um, you know, you, you actually turned me on to them. And recently we lost Doug Clark, the, uh, guitar player from that band.
1: Yeah. Shame. um,
0: Yeah. Totally
1: underrated genius. Totally underrated band. It's, it's, I don't know. There ever since I heard, uh, um, I heard them the first time the new Manson family record and, uh, especially like the ghost walking EP, that also the, do you know the music video for ghost walking yes
0: yeah perhaps i've seen I it
1: love, oh dude i love that and i i mean we covered it with ulfa that was like <clears throat> i decided like okay we need to do a cover and i want to cover that song because with ulfa we can pull it off and and as much as i think we did a good job it's like whenever i listen to the original i'm like okay that's just it's unfuck withable it's so good and also like their i don't know their take on it's it's kind of like they're a black metal band without being a black metal band. They're a death rock band, while being more death and more rock than every other death rock band. And I don't know why nobody knows them. I I just know that they had like a weird reputation of being total psychos, and I mean that's the reputation that Dwight has. So at it, some like to some people, so it's just a perfect fit. <laughs> Yeah. And, I mean, they had, they had like, intertwined that uh, AE389 records. <clears throat> they did a Pulling Teeth, Mighty Sprinter split, and also the Resurrection 7-inch, where they had, I think it's also Nick of Pale Creation uh, singing. Are they doing a cover or something? Yeah, like, they, they all, like, super into that. And I think the whole scene revolving like a whole group of people are revolving around that I think they all know Mighty Spinter and appreciate that. I remember that Jay Popson, the singer of inco Blood, the first one in State of Conviction, he did the second vocals on InTech two thousand. He was also a big fan of Mighty Spinctor.
0: Yeah, it's weird. It's like this weird regionality. It's almost like um you, my German friend. <laughs> <laughs> um and dudes in Cleveland. You know, Dwid, uh, James from uh, Ringworm, and me, and my friend Randy, who does, who also co-hosts this show occasionally. Yeah. we're like the only people that I've run into that even know who the band is. I mentioned that name even to like people I know that are hardcore like death rock, like goth people. Uh, don't you know? People who love Christian death would love this band, and they don't know who the hell they are, or they're like, "Oh, I heard of them, but I don't really know the music." Yeah. yeah. I, I know Mike, Mike
1: Reykjavik's of uh, Fell Voices and Yellow Eyes and all these bands, he's also a big fan of them. And when we toured with Vanum, his band, like we toured with them last year and we hung out at my apartment the day before the tour started and we played it like we played it, the, the video and he and I were totally like obsessed and Kyle and the other guys and Ash who were in that band, they're like, I read the name once, don't really know them, yeah. So yeah, they're like a super secretive band, and I don't know why.
0: Yeah, and they had a new record that came out like last year, I think, too. Yes, and yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a good record. It's uh, you know, it's a little bit different, but it's. I mean, who the hell wanted to listen to the same record over and over again, too? You know what I mean?
1: Yep. But if you like the traits that this band has like these weird guitar shifts and the weird arrangements that is totally on Darkest Angel so yeah people yeah you you can totally like like it it's really it's like a black metal record from a band that's not a black metal band in a way it's so dark so nihilistic and it's everything I loved about that band uh, so it's a shame I never saw them live um But there are some videos of like all the all the music videos they did, and there's a bunch of them that surfaced. They're all on YouTube now. They're really entertaining. This this American Gothic kind of early '90s look. It's just incredible.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I've only seen the Ghost Walking video. Uh, It looks like it's actually shot on film too, which I think is cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: and they have like they have more. It's always these they're always the same kind of creepo guys with with their weird costumes and also the there's there's some live footage and they're just an insane live band and yeah so hell I never saw them I never will see them live that's
0: a shame yeah I would say uh they're almost like a goth germs or something like that you know I mean that's what yeah. comes to mind when I think about that band but grief. But yeah, so I mean, I guess that's it, man. We uh, talked about integrity, the apocalypse, um, you know, covered everything we wanted to discuss. (laughs) Yeah, cool. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I would ask you, normally, this is at the point where I ask uh, what's going on next, but that's unknown for the most part. I think for for both of us, we don't know what the fuck's going on next. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see when we get there. Yeah, you know, but... uh, so anyway, thanks for uh, taking taking time out and doing this, and thanks for listening, everyone. And um, you we'll know, see you guys next time. that's it for this week's episode of metal matters a gimme radio weekly podcast tune in next week and see what we have in store for you the show is available on all streaming platforms apple podcasts itunes spotify etc also be sure to check out gimme radio streaming on the web ios or android for one of the best metal communities exclusive merch interviews with artists and so much more i'll catch you guys next week take care under the black of night Everything dies The death was unexistent The death was stop the